0: Watch out, doctor. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad
1: case loving you.
2: Do you have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We're here to help. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olson, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
3: Welcome in. So happy to be back with you. It is Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health here on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network, and I'm excited to bring on our guest for the day, or I guess our physician for the day. He's a board-certified primary care sports medicine specialist with Orthopedic Department of the University of Utah. It is Dr. Nick Monson back on Doc Talk. Dr. Monson, how are you?
2: Hey, it's good to be back. It's good to be working.
3: Yeah, I know. It's the, I got I to imagine. There's so many, there are so many questions and so many angles that we need to get into. That you know, doc talk kind of went off the rails here for a little while while things went hectic with the COVID 19. And I, I guess I'd start with this. How are you? How are how are you? How are the other physicians in the clinic? How's University of Utah Health? and, and how's the orthopedic department?
2: Well, that's a loaded question, but um, what it what it comes down to, health wise, all of our uh, physicians and all of us are uh, doing well. We're following all the protocols and all the suggestions that the state and the healthcare system have requested of us, and uh, in doing so, we've stayed healthy. But it's also kept us pretty quiet. So, you know, in regards to how the university and everybody else is doing, well, we're we're trying to take care and, and keep our resources available for people that have uh, a need for it, and uh staying fairly quiet on the other things slowly starting to build up as as healthcare restrictions are lifted but um trying to adhere to to what our advisors are telling us
3: you know dr montz is as, as things initially came down i'm curious to know how did day-to-day life change for the orthopedic department
2: man it was it was rapid it was it was really fast and really crazy where uh you know, we went from having uh, full tilt busy schedules to suddenly putting the brakes on everything as as quick as we possibly could and as safely as we could. And then figuring out, uh, you know, there's a lot of logistics in the, in the sports medicine and in the orthopedic world as to what's urgent, what's emergent, what's elective and uh, trying to navigate those waters to make sure that our patients were still taken care of and know that we Uh, care for them and and miss them and hope to see them soon despite the fact that some of them are being put on hold which can be a very frustrating experience
3: yeah i was curious about that kind of what percentage of orthopedic department falls under the non-essential or what would be deemed essential like i i was curious with the the physicians just how much of a percentage this affected for you guys
2: yeah. Uh, I mean the one department that is essential all the time is, is trauma. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen their numbers to be honest, but I would assume even they're probably down a little bit just based off the fact that people aren't driving as much and the extreme sports are a little bit quieter. And, you know, some of those things that would otherwise have those athletes or or injuries coming in are or even slower, but, uh, the rest of the departments are largely are, are largely, um, non-essential uh, except for, you know, those those injuries that do require surgery where it would otherwise uh, change the outcome of of a person's care. So, yes, we are still seeing patients. And yes, surgeries are still happening on a very limited basis. And uh, slowly that'll start to open back up, hopefully,
3: yeah, and when we started to get some of those words. and and uh, my guess is, Dr. Monson, we've got a lot of listeners that are standing by the radio that, have a, a, a non-essential procedure, and, and it can really run the gambit, and they're probably sitting in their car wondering when they're going to have that opportunity to get that procedure, and I'm sure, to a large extent, the physicians at the University of Utah Health and the Orthopedic Department probably wondering the same thing. How, how cued in or uh, how exact is the information you guys get as we do start to work our way into this second phase of recovery?
2: Uh, well, the university's communication is, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, if you don't know what's going on within the university, it's just cause you haven't listened or read emails or, uh, the daily updates. So our, uh, uh, chief medical officer, uh, the whole team has been just incredible at keeping everybody updated as to what we're looking for and what we're doing. Um, our, our current, um, direction is on a daily basis via morning conference that's done, uh, and then multiple breakout conferences, uh, From there, basically, the orthopedic department having their own direction uh, as well. But basically, the word comes down uh, where we're a state entity. It comes down also from the state saying, hey, you know, we don't want any risk at this time. And, And so they minimize everything and then it branches out from there.
3: If you' just turning it on your radio and you don't hear Jake and Gordon in the big show, you're hearing Doc Talk. This is Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health. It's typically every other Thursday. I think we're going to run it a couple of Thursdays in a row and and we're going to really try to take some questions for people out there that have been going through you know certain types of injury and and certain types of trauma as the non elective surgeries have been canceled. And this is an opportunity for you to call in and speak with one of the great physicians from the University of Utah Health. 855-340-9663 is the number to call. Again, that number, 855-340-9663. Whatever you're dealing with, if you've got questions about openings of electives and when you can possibly get a procedure done, uh, if you've got questions about something that you've been sitting on over the last two or three weeks, something that you really haven't been able to go in and, and feel comfortable going in and getting diagnosed, this is these are the types of things that we're really wanting to kick up doc talk and do this for. Um, I had a great talk with Reagan Holbrook, and he just felt a, a real need and desire to continue to offer this service to our listeners. And and Dr. Monson, I know you feel the same because you donate your time. I certainly feel the same because I get on and crack this mic. I love this as a service to our listeners, as an opportunity to get medical advice without getting out your prescription or without getting out your insurance card, without sitting in a line. But maybe you're in your car, you've got an issue, call us. We'll see if we can get you a little bit of help. 855 340 and you know, Dr. Monson, you, you brought this up kind of in our initial conversation out of the gates. This has changed people's patterns. And I've got to imagine, we're not seeing the the major accidents, the the car wrecks, the skiing accidents. Obviously, when they shut down the the slopes, um, the everyday get out and and try to get some basketball in types of injuries. Have we seen a decline in, in overall general orthopedic needs?
2: Yeah, we think so. I mean, there's a lot of questions about that simply because... Uh, I think people are doing their best to stay at home too. We're certainly getting phone calls from people that are at this point saying, hey, look, I can't wait any longer. I need to figure out what's going on. And we're trying to figure, you know, work with those patients as best as we can, um, certainly changing how we see patients and how we address issues as much as possible. Um, but it's it's going to be one of those, uh, like a lot of what this virus is doing to us and our economy and everything else, there's going to be a lot of looking in the rearview mirror to see how we did and, and what we missed and what we didn't miss and uh, trying to use as much foresight as we possibly can to, to plan and prepare for future issues and, and make sure that we're really addressing our patients' needs comprehensively now.
3: You know, one of the first questions I wrote down for you and uh, to kind of get out there on Doc Talk. one thing that we've been – really proud to promote and something that i know you guys are excited about and very pleased with the success has been the the uh walk-in injury clinic the ortho injury clinic that you have available up there on campus every single day monday through friday 12 p.m to 6 p.m and then extended hours uh through parts of the the week but i want i want you to kind of fill us in with how the injury clinic has been going uh is it open is if if somebody's dealing with something right now can can they still be seen
2: yeah so the injury clinic is open with the with the times that you mentioned um and utilization of it's actually been a little bit quieter than it was prior to the virus again i think people are a little more anxious to not get out which we totally uh understand and and agree with um and I, again, you know, with, with less people being out doing the same activities they were previously, certainly with, you know, organized sports and things being less, our injury clinic's not as busy. So we're, we're available and we're happy to see people and and review their injuries as far as what we're um uh, doing is people will typically call in and um, get screened. Uh, we just wanna make sure that we're seeing the appropriate patient and, and giving them the best option for uh, receiving the highest level of care that we can give them. So they'll call in and we'll help get them arranged with a, a, a time to come in that same day and uh, get the care that they need. If it can be done virtually uh, with telemedicine on a, on a phone or a tablet or a computer, then we'll offer that option as well.
3: So that clinic, again, Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m., if you're dealing with something in the orthopedic range, this is an opportunity for you to call 801-997-9955, and basically they're asking you to call before arriving And going through a process, as Dr. Motson described, that gets you the exact help and and care that you're looking for in that situation. If you are dealing with an injury or there's a a family member that's dealing with an injury, you need to have it seen. Write this number down, 801 nine nine seven nine nine five five and call between the hours of 12 and 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and you'll you'll get the help that you're you're looking for and you know I, I trust these physicians that they'll be there for you in, in that time of need um, you know dr. Motson, as we've <clears throat> as we've kind of adjusted to to normal life or, or what is becoming the new normal um is, is this going to change the way you as physicians see patients?
2: Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, this is one of those things, I, by far, the majority of our patients are now being seen uh, virtually uh, through telemedicine, which <laughs> a year ago it was being done, you know, or the people could get on and do an urgent care visit via telemedicine. But the biggest uh, limiting factor on that had always been insurance and insurance fight back saying, no, we want a patient seen in person. And uh, now that we're doing this virtually, we're finding, man, this is this is really convenient for some people oh, to not have to drive from. I mean, you know, we have patients from uh, multiple surrounding states that drive six to eight hours sometimes to see us, and in this setting, they don't have to make that drive. We can do a consult uh, and at least get a, a reasonable idea uh, and let them know if they need to be seen or not uh, in a clinic uh, just by being able to review some some physical exam through the uh, video, review imaging. Um, there's a lot of things that have turned out to be really promising uh, and and really nice that uh, hopefully will will help change our healthcare system in a very positive way for everybody in the future. Um, certainly limited for a lot of uh, orthopedics and and sports medicine, where hands-on evaluation certainly helpful, but um, we we found it really beneficial in a lot of ways that I think will change healthcare in a positive way
3: well that's actually kind of exciting to, to yeah. hear that there's an advancement like that and something very good could actually come of this
2: yeah yeah again if, if we can get insurance companies on board and we can begin to perfect and, and enhance what we're doing via telemedicine and and the technology of how to deliver the care to patients and good quality and video and audio it's 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 exciting it's fun so you know, every time there's something like this happens, there's always a ton of in- innovation that spins off of it. And I think the healthcare community will be a uh, receiving factor of that.
3: You're listening to Dr. Nick Monson here on Doc Talk, brought to you by University of Utah Health. Dr. Monson specializes in the evaluation and treatment of spine, shoulder, elbow, hand, hip, knee, foot, ankle. Am I missing anything? <laughs> I'm, I'm almost gone through the whole body I, I know that you specialize in in pretty much the in the entire body and um and obviously he's here to help if you've got a question for dr monson 855-340-9663 dr monson you all right if we jump out to some phone calls
2: let's do some phone calls
3: all right let's take some phone calls again 855 855- 340-9663. Adam, you are up first with Dr. Monson. Go ahead, Adam.
1: Um, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. You bet. I'm little, I mean, I know you mainly deal with sports injuries, but what about some of the long-lasting effects of this lockdown, such as injured hearts and injured minds from not being able to be with people for so long?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, obviously it's uh, that—that that is uh, a point of interest, Dr. Monson, that I think a lot of people are dealing with is is how this is effect- affecting mental and emotional health.
2: This is a huge part of what I've been talking to my patients about, actually. Um, you know, we try to treat the athlete as a whole. It's not just a, an ACL tear. It's an ACL tear and, and devastated hopes and aspirations for that season. And the virus is almost equivalent to that in a way where people are now feeling trapped inside their houses or, you know, depending on family situations and social situations, many people have been kind of left out in the cold and that's a horrible, miserable feeling to be in. So our, uh, our, obviously what we're uh, recommending is what everybody else has been recommending and that is stay socially connected as much as you can, um, with, with your friends, with your family, with, with other people. But, please, please, please exercise. Uh, our recommendations for physical fitness have not changed at all. We still recommend that people get out and get that heart rate up, get, get an aerobic exercise for at least 30 minutes, uh, five days a week at a minimum. Uh, keep doing your strength training. Uh, it's interesting as, as uh, I've talked to uh, different providers of um, uh uh, healthcare equipment. So, or even health equipment, uh, gyms and and different things that they sell treadmills. I mean, they're just flying off the shelves. You can't go and buy a weight set. You can't buy a treadmill without (laughs) paying a premium or searching through multiple stores just because everybody's trying to find their outlet. But if you have not found that outlet, use mother nature, get out and enjoy some of that sunshine and, and, uh, interact uh, with nature, if nothing else.
3: Adam, is there there kind of a specific need or a specific area, or is that just a question in general, bud? Well, I'm just worried because I'm just worried about not being able to see my friends and loved ones for a long, long time. And after weeks of this forced isolation,
1: it's just starting to really take its toll.
3: Are are you able to get out are are you able to get some exercise in do you uh, can you have you started jogging or or have you done any I, th- type of physical I, activity I, I try to walk around my neighborhood once a day but I just really miss being with people Yeah I miss being able to be with my best friend down the street or being with my church ward and it's just really starting to get to me well, Andrew, yeah, that, I, I, I hope that you can find some peace in that, Andrew. Any any other suggestions for the, just kind of the distancing part of the mental health of it, Dr. Monson?
2: Yeah, I, I tell you, man, that um, I think uh, you'd be surprised how many people share that same thought and that same concern. And they're probably looking for a reach out. And it's sometimes hard to be the one to initiate that. But if you have a ward family or church family or congregation that you can reach out to, you should. If you have friends uh that you can reach out to and play a video game online with them or uh you know do some sort of a app where you can and talk to each other using zoom or skype or so many amazing technologies that we have uh, do it and and then take care of yourself make sure that you're uh, eating a balanced diet and getting your exercise because that that plays into the mental health side of things and and uh you, you got to kind of take care of that whole body right now it'll it will come back man we'll get you back to seeing friends and and uh, loved ones. But for, for a little while, we have to be protective.
3: You know, Dr. Monson, you, you bring up such a great point. and And I, I kind of want to emphasize this because you said that, you know, reaching out there, there might be others that are out there that are just as in need of some type of conversation, uh, some type of back and forth or some type of expression of care. And my suggestion to Adam and, and my suggestion to listeners out there across the great state of Utah is be cognizant of those people around you. Um, think of the people in your wards or your church groups think of the people from your areas of work think of think of you know and I'm talking about thinking really deep of the people that might be home alone and not having that interaction that they need and and not feeling, like they can really reach out. If, if you are a social person, reach out, you know, call, call or Zoom meet or, you know, find a way to get a message to people because it, just listening to Adam talk, Dr. Monson, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like it would go a long way if somebody just reached out with a phone call and yeah. and, and had a conversation, a really solid conversation where they could have some laughs and, and share some thoughts.
2: Yeah, no, I agree, man. Just, just know that uh, other people are feeling that way, and I don't know you, but I still care for you, man. So I hope things go well.
3: I do too, Adam, and, and uh, I appreciate your call. And you know, just know that there are a lot of us out there that are are dealing with those same emotions, and just keep fighting through it. And if you heard Dr. Monson at the end of your last comment, and in his first comment was. We're going to get through it. This, this is going to clear, and we're going to get through this and, and get back to interacting with those people we love. And make sure you keep that light at the end of the tunnel. Don't let things get too dark for you, Adam. Kind of picture it out in front of you. It's not that far away where we're going to be able to meet up with our friends and go to a football game or go to a movie or go to a church service. It's out in front of you, and I want you to keep that hope in your heart and know that it's out in front of you because I guarantee you it's there. And to anybody else that's feeling that way, it's there. It'll come. you got to believe it. 855-340-9663 to jump on the phone line with Dr. Monson. Let's go out to Jared. You're up next with Dr. Monson. Jared, how can we help you? Yeah, that me? Yep, that's you, Jared.
4: Uh, Thanks for taking my call. I have a question. I broke my leg four years ago. I uh, broke both my lower bones and my leg. Uh-huh. And the uh, big bone was a uh, spiral fracture. Uh, and it's healed up pretty good, but it's still, the last few weeks have given me a lot of pain. Had plates what, in both of them. Okay. Yeah. What part of the leg was it towards the ankle?
2: Yes. Okay. And where is it giving you the pains at?
4: Well, it kind of moves around. A lot of pain in my ankle, uh, right above the ankle, right where the the main damage was. Up my kind hand. of the, where they put the hardware in.
2: Yes. Okay. And uh, what do you what have you been doing for activity the last couple of weeks?
4: Uh, just normal activities, my work. I work construction. So it's not. Okay. Not, too not major. necessarily
2: changing the amount of activity you're doing or uh, requirements no, with work no, duties. No, not really. Good. Uh, any swelling with it?
4: There's a little bit. It's a little bit more than usual.
2: How How old are you?
4: I am 46.
2: 46. So um, one of the things uh, when you when you break both of the bones and it's towards your ankle, especially I don't know if it involved that ankle joint or not, but it is possible to get a little bit of uh, wear and tear in the ankle after an injury like uh, like that. And uh, so it's uh, typically one of those things that we'd like to get some x-rays on, uh, get a nice evaluation on that and see if there's any component of that going on. In the meantime obviously this isn't you know probably the most emergent thing for you or not feeling like it is but uh, uh, even just a a simple ankle wrap or ankle brace can be pretty helpful at calming that down for you Uh, trying to maintain as much um, mobility in the ankle is actually beneficial so not letting it get too stiff wearing the ankle brace all the time but pulling it out and trying to write the abcs with your toes and getting some ice on there and elevate it when you're not moving it so that it has a chance to decrease some of that swelling would be a pretty good initial start and then uh, hopping in and seeing one of us we'd be happy to take a look at that and see if we can figure out what's making that thing hurt more too
3: Hey Jared, have you tried a wrap or have you tried a brace kind of in that ankle and, and mid-calf mid area?
4: No, I've never tried a brace I, just, I use ice every so often but I I don't
3: ever use a brace is is the pain sharp or is it kind of a, a dull uh, annoying pain you there jared did
4: we yes yeah. Well, i think i lost you yeah i think
3: it, we lost you for a second is the is it a sharp pain or is it kind of a, a dull achy pain Yeah, we must be losing, Jared, kind of in and out there. Um, it, it, when when you're looking at that kind of pain, Dr. Monson, is is there any type of differing description if it's dull and achy as compared to kind of a, a sharp, in, in a certain area type pain?
2: Uh, you know, a lot of what's interesting to me is what provokes it. Um, description of pain can be helpful, but everybody describes pain so differently. You know, their perception of their pain can be very different, but... Uh, if you're wondering about a muscle or tendon, it's usually more provoked with uh, a particular motion of the ankle that that tendon would pull the the, the bones or the joints. Um, whereas if it's you know mainly weight bearing when he's standing on it all day or, or walking around or moving, we'd, we'd wonder a little bit more about the uh, integrity of the joint uh, itself. And again, after the type of injury that he had, developing some sort of uh, irritation in the joint is not uncommon and uh, may be a part of what's playing into it focus initially, if you're out there, Jared, the the main focus initially is really, uh, kind of getting that to calm down, decreasing the swelling. And, uh, once you get that, then we really focus more on strengthening around it. So if you have an ankle that's taking too much pressure and getting irritated, well, if you build some muscle around it, it ends up taking a little less pressure in the long haul and can actually feel quite a bit better.
3: You know, Dr. Monson, when you have that level of trauma to a leg where you suffer a spiral fracture on whether it's the tibia or fibula, whatever it is, and then you fracture that other bone, is there an amount of trauma, even at the age of 40 or 42, when he got injured, is there amount of trauma that you're just going to deal with constant pain and there's not uh, a lot you can do about it?
2: No, not necessarily. Again, it depends on the fracture type. This is one that an x-ray gives us a lot more information. If it involved the joint, then yeah, I think there's going to be a level of pain and discomfort that will be anticipated. Uh, if it's outside of the joint, then rehabilitation uh, is really slow and long, but now four years out from his injury, it's something that I would not expect to come back and bother him as frequently or at as high of a level. So that's, you know, you'd, you'd wonder about anything else that could be going on with hardware or something else changing.
3: And I heard you ask about the hardware, and I, I actually still have some hardware in my hand from, from playing time that I haven't taken yeah. out, and, and that aches. I'll get pretty pretty deep, serious aches down in this hand bone uh, right where that plate and those screws are laid down. Is Is it typically only hardware that's left in the body, or can it just be a lasting impression of where the hardware was?
2: Uh, hardware can be symptomatic for people, but it rarely is. Um, most hardware that we put in actually stays in uh, if it's beginning to protrude or actually causing pain for people, which occasionally does happen, then it's removed, but uh, it just requires another surgery and another recovery time uh, to do that. So we find, uh, based off of our research, that most people actually uh, are able to leave hardware in and, and remain largely uh, asymptomatic. They do They do well with it.
3: Two great calls coming in from Adam and Jared. We appreciate it, and that's how it's done here on DocTalk. You don't have to sit in a waiting line. You don't have to get your insurance card out. You are able to talk to some of the greatest minds and physicians in the state of Utah from the University of Utah Health, including, of course, Dr. Nick Monson, who's on with us. And all you got to do is call 855-340-9663. Again, that number, 855 340 9663. We were talking about elective surgeries and and elective procedures. We've been talking about opening those types of of elective procedures. Um, We're talking about different injuries that people have suffered through this COVID virus and and their ability to get care for those injuries. And we want to hear from you. Any questions that you have in regards to your injury or the clinic or being seen or surgeries, we're here to take them. That's 855 340 9663. You're listening to Doc Talk, brought to you by the University of Utah Health.
2: You're listening to Doc Talk. Presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
3: Excited to jump back out to the phone calls here in just one second. You're listening to Doc Talk, brought to you by University of Utah Health. Uh, and you're listening to Dr. Nick Monson on with us, uh, orthopedic surgeon at the University of Utah Health. And before we jump out to the phone calls, Dr. Monson, I, I want to talk to you about kind of initiating the elective procedure process and how that'll kind of change the way you admit patients or, or go about admitting patients. What, what kinds of procedures or what kinds of new procedures will pop up with this as people go back to get their surgeries?
2: So the governor has moved us uh, from a red to an orange, which basically means that at this point, elective procedures can be considered. um, However, it should be done in people that still have low risk. Um, There's a couple factors we look at. What's the patient's risk factor? So, you know, age, uh, other health uh, complications are looked at. And then um, we also look at what type of, uh, length of surgery, protective equipment required during the surgery, et cetera, um, because we have to protect resources as well. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we look at for surgery is not only uh, does the person need the surgery now or would the outcome be the same if it was performed in two months from now, but we also look at uh, when, when people are sedated uh, or when they're intubated, they're sedated. Um, and, you know, part of the treatment of uh, advanced case of COVID-19 is where people have to be intubated Mm -hmm. and they require maintenance medications that keep them to sleep uh, or uh, sedated. And that's the same medications that we often use for surgery as well. So we have to maintain those and then the protective equipment that we uh, use during uh, operating um, or during operations have to be uh, preserved as much as possible too. So we can't just open the floodgates on all surgery because we would certainly uh, use up, uh resources that otherwise need to be maintained for uh, life-saving uh, implications so i i am not part of that decision-making process as to uh, uh what when and how we're going to open the operating rooms but i uh, was part of a meeting this morning where we talked about that uh, you know that is certainly something that's being uh, aggressively addressed and looked at is how do we safely open up because we know many people have a high need for their surgery and, and their care, but uh, it has to be done in a appropriate timely manner.
3: It's one of the reasons I love living in this state and, and being a part of the university of Utah health family, because I, I know that that will be taken into consideration. And I, and I, I know that these things will move along as, as quickly as they can. You were talking about the overall conversation and, um, just the overall information that's sent along through the University of Utah Health, the, these things will move along quickly through through uh, through the clinic, won't they?
2: Yeah, the, I don't know if it's just because so many of us have so much time on our hands. But, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, the University of Utah Healthcare it is, and I'm not getting paid to say this. It's a phenomenal organization to work for. It is it is well organized. It is well thought out, and it's well run. And uh, people are very adherent to not only uh, uh, physician's needs, but also to the patient's needs. I mean, they're they're really trying to roll this out as safely and as quickly as we possibly can. But there's enough logistics that go into it that safely and quickly does not always translate into what patients feel like they need.
3: Yeah, I understand that. If you uh, have a procedure that you feel like you need to get done or if you feel like you have an injury that may need help, Go to sportsmed.uviewhealth.org. That's sportsmed.uviewhealth.org, and you can start to contact the physicians, and they'll keep you up to date as we move along with the essential procedures and the non-essential procedures um, as as we kind of move along and proceed with the opening of those things.
1: Part- yeah, and in,
2: in the meantime, I mean, we're still open and available to consult and to discuss, and to keep people apprised of the ongoing situation too. So certainly, uh, please do call and, and let us know what your issues and injuries and and needs are, because uh, we're more than happy and available to. Uh, review that and, and uh, continue to work with you on your health care.
3: Yeah, that is so true. That's something that people really need to hear is y- y- your care is still extremely important to these physicians, and they are available through this. So if you're dealing with a, a, a serious orthopedic injury uh, or any orthopedic in- injury, it's a good thing to jump on to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org and, and check in with these physicians
2: yeah even if it's just a uh, strained hamstring or a pinky toe that's bothering you or whatever it is we can still talk to you about it and uh, there's quite a bit that can be done even if it's just a virtual visit so even our physical therapy team is uh, seeing patients virtually we, we've we got things up and running at uh, a high level just a different way
3: that's so great alright let's jump back up to the phone lines we'll go to Carlos you're up next with Dr. Monson go ahead Carlos
0: hey guys Hans, um, maybe you can help me out with this one as well. I've got a daughter that's playing uh, competitive soccer. She's going on her third year. Um, she's actually only 11 years old, but now she's got some aches and, and pains in her knee and her, the inner side of her knee, and uh, we just can't figure out how to how to get her, you know, taken care of and, and have that pain go away. We've taken her to her primary care doctor, and they pretty much just say this got it. It takes time, but I guess what I'm concerned about, too, is, I mean, am I, as a parent, are we overworking our, our kids in these competitive leagues so young? Is it making such a big difference that it's going to ruin their their health and their needs for the future?
2: Those are all great questions, man. Let's, let's dive into a couple things with it. Number one, um, is her knee still hurting her since she's not playing competitive soccer right now?
0: It usually hurts when she starts exercising, like if she starts running or she starts out practicing. Um, her coach is still having her, her practice uh, three times a week. Um, she's supposed to be putting in three hours worth of practice time on her own, and then he has practice twice a week virtually. Hmm. Okay. So how many hours a
2: week do you think she's actually putting in doing the exercises?
0: Really, it's, it's probably only still two and a half, three hours. She's, she hasn't put in as much as... Her coach wants her to. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, just moving around the house, going up and downstairs. It doesn't typically bother her then.
0: No, no. It's usually just when she starts working, at, you know, actually starts moving around laterally and, and doing soccer moves, and you know, the the constant jarring. You yeah.
3: you you mentioned that the, it was the inside of the knee, right?
0: Yeah. And her right, any- that's that, that's the knee she uh, that's the leg she uses to kick with. So I don't know if it's just strain and, you know, it's just just not getting better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kicking technique can play into it. Um, If it's even just with running and and some of the lateral movements, I don't know. It's all just a kicking technique per se. Um, Is it it locking or catching on her? Does she feel like there's limitation in her mobility?
0: No, she just says she feels a really sharp pain and it hurts her to run. And so she she stops and sometimes it even, you know, brings her to tears. So... Hmm. It's just one of those things. We're just like, okay, well, what do we do? And the doctors just don't seem to think there's anything wrong. Well, at least your primary care doctor just thinks that it'll go away. Um, but it I guess swell up I'm, I'm worried. It doesn't swell up. No, nope. it doesn't swell up. Uh,
3: doctor Monson, let me throw this at you. And I, I know he said it's the inside of the knee, but maybe yeah. it's it's a kind of a similar relation. When my oldest was 11, we had to move her out of soccer because of this exact thing, but it was uh, the growth pains in Oscar's the Osgood Slaughter, the front part of the knee, but it was growth pains that was really hurting her in her cuts while playing soccer. And, and we moved her out of the game of soccer because it was just too much pain for the, those growth plates in that area. Could, could this be growth-related?
2: it can be growth related in the fact that if she's done a lot of growing in a short period of time, there's obviously some mechanical factors where the body has to catch up, but the inside of the knee does not have an apophysis or a growth plate where a tendon attaches as much as what Osgood slaughters typically is, which is where your patellar tendon or your kneecap tendon attaches down to that bump on the front of your shin. On the inside of the knee, there are a group of tendons that attach there uh rarely involved in that age of child but theoretically could be that's one that boy I'd, I'd sure love to meet her and, and take a look at that knee because that's one that doesn't sound like I would just say don't worry about it I don't think I'd worry about it either but I'd say that there's got to be something that we could do to help uh make that feel better and keep her still yeah. competitive I, I think the other part of it on your question was are we doing too much with these kids and it sounds like you're you're super appropriate with where you have her. If she's doing three or four hours a week of soccer and she enjoys it and she's happy, I, I don't think that what you're doing is actually damaging her knee. Um, I do get concerned when parents come in and they say, hey, my kid's in uh, two to three comp teams. And on top of that, they play... Uh, they're they're in track and field or you know i've got some yeah. kids that are coming in with you know 20 to 30 hours of uh, exercise uh, per week uh-huh. and they they have <laughs> high levels high high levels of uh, not only burnout but also uh, overuse injuries and they just eventually stop loving a sport which is not the way that we want them to do uh-huh. it so i think you're i think you're doing the right thing as a parent i wouldn't stress about that but i would love to Take a little bit better of a look at that knee, or, or one of our sports medicine physicians would love to take a look at that.
3: Did we did we lose Carlos? I'm here. Oh, okay. So so, Carlos, it sounds like the next thing to do would would to be just to get that thing looked at. And I, I I feel you. My daughter yeah. was in competitive soccer, and it just wore her knee out, and those growth plates and that osgood are just it just tortured her, and we had to make some decisions and moves as parents to get her. She she then transitioned into volleyball because it was uh, less cutting and and less impact. Believe it or not, sure. And and things were better that way. But like Doctor Monson said, this this is something an 11 year old girl that uh, she shouldn't have to deal with this pain. So hopefully you can take the yeah. take these steps to try to eliminate that for her.
2: Has right. she done a lot of growing lately? Has she had a big growth spurt or anything like that?
3: Uh, she, well, I mean, she she is she's always been one
0: of the taller girls in her class, and now you know she's still one of the taller girls. But um, it's just I don't know what taller I I, I don't yes yeah. I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> no, I mean sometimes you parents girl- are like I don't know they just grew six six inches in yeah. the last six months. You know, if it's one of those shooting up phases, no. that can be different. But if if she's kind of at her no. steady state, then.
0: Yeah, I guess I, I don't know if we should be getting her into different sports or if there's different movements that will help, you know. So I guess I'm looking for the future that yeah. she's not going to have continual problems with these things. Just for the research that I've been doing, it seems like it's it's prevalent in, in women more than men to have these kind of issues. So I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're the
2: expert. Yeah, no, it certainly can be, Um, but, uh, and, you know, to give you at least some generic start to what you can work with her on, I would, I'd be highly involved in a strengthening program outside of soccer, um, and the strengthening should probably really focus on uh, quads, hamstrings, and hip. Um, yeah. so I, I, I really have her do a lot of, uh, hip exercises, a lot of the old Jane Fonda stuff. You need to buy her some spandex mm-hmm. and get her doing leg lifts and <laughs> clam shells and, uh, some kickbacks, get, get those glutes nice and strong. Cause that often plays into this type of knee pain. And once we strengthen those up, the knee takes a lot less pressure.
3: And Carlos, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll leave you with this: um, the Ortho Injury Clinic is still available, and that is a, a walk-in clinic, and that's something where you would call ahead uh, 801-997-9955 It's twelve p.m. to six p.m., and th- and this is something that's perfect for your for your daughter, where yeah, it, it's a it's it's really quick, it's efficient. Um, it, the, the doctors, like Doctor Monson, are standing by to to take care of these things. So, good luck, my okay. friend, and. and And just keep trying to find that, uh, keep trying to find that, uh, you know, that that healthy, uh, that recovery for that that sweet kid. Yep. Okay, thanks. You bet.
1: All right, man. Take care.
3: Jump back up the phone lines to Tyler. Tyler, you're up with Dr. Monson. Go ahead, Tyler.
1: Thanks for having me on. I have a question about my wife's shoulder. She, let's see, it's been about seven and a half months ago. She had a partial or a large labrum labral tear Uh and a partial subscap tear repair and bicep tenodesis. Those are tough words. (laughs) (laughs) You nailed it. uh, (laughs) So, you know, she did the rehab and everything and and her shoulders just frozen up now. She can't move. She used to love playing basketball and volleyball. She can't shoot a basketball. She has. Uh, pretty limited mobility in that arm as well as pain and you know she was scheduled to go back and meet with her surgeon just before or right after everything shut down so I guess I have two questions one are we or is she at risk for some longer term permanent damage by not taking care of it now and what can she do to uh, what can she do now in the meantime until she can go meet with the surgeon and decide what to do next
2: Yeah. Uh, Was there any injury since the surgery was performed? No. Okay. Uh, So typically in this type of setting, the first question is "Is she had any major risk and the answer is probably not. Uh, You know, if there wasn't a new inciting injury, it's, you know, the same injury or just uh, a a change in symptoms after the surgery was done. Um, Most commonly what happens is that uh, shoulder. if it's not used and moved as it typically would be, um, it starts to get kind of irritated. Um, and sometimes even the capsule, the the joint itself, uh, starts to get thick. We call it a frozen shoulder. Um, That's what and, it is, yep. Yeah, if, if it's something like that, then um, all by itself, believe it or not, and it can take a couple of years, but it does actually improve. Uh, you don't have to wait a couple of years because we have multiple things that we can do to help speed that process and improve that process. And I'll review a couple of those with you here real quick, but um, you do not want to just rest that type of shoulder. You want to get it moving uh, as much as possible. I'm um, taking some anti-inflammatories uh, if they're helpful on occasion, as long as uh, her stomach and everything else tolerates that would be a reasonable option. Um, and then if you look up online, uh, you can look up, uh, Codman's exercises or wall crawls. Uh, they're very simple exercises that help her start to get some mobility back in the shoulder. Uh, you can even take a broomstick and use your good arm to help pull your other arm in the directions that it doesn't feel like it can go as easily. So you take the broomstick and you lift it up above mm-hmm. your head and forward, you lift it behind your back, you push one arm out to the side and then you push the other arm out to the side. Um,
1: but yeah, I've kinda, been doing a lot yeah. of those exercises. And made Good. a lot of progress for a while, but in the last two or three months, it's just been nothing, like no progress. When
2: things stagnate, um, there is a role for, uh, some type of, uh, injection that's often done. And that's usually pretty, pretty fantastically relieving for people, especially if they're involved in, in a, a version of therapy at the same time, uh, worst case scenario. Sometimes, uh, people will go back into the operating room and do a, um, Uh, mobilization of the shoulder but typically that is not required that's kind of the last case scenario
3: Tyler sorry we have to cut you a little bit short as we're running short on time but hopefully you were able to catch some of that and so Dr. Monson a suggestion of a potential injection might be the next step for him
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: if that's where she's at. Okay. Thanks for the call, Tyler. Thanks for the call, Carlos, Adam, all of our callers today. Jared, we appreciate it. I hope that you're able to find some quick recovery. And if you're looking to get in touch with a physician and talk a little bit further about it, go to sportsmed.uvhealth.org, or come into one of our ortho clinics that we have Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. And we'll get you seen there. Dr. Matson. you've been great. Thank you so much for jumping on Doc Talk again.
2: Yeah, man, it's always fun. This is the best we've ever done it. We didn't have to see each other or you know, we did this remote. So I, I saved you my face.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and vice versa, for sure. I appreciate you, I appreciate you Dr. Matson, And thank you for taking care of our great listeners. And, and thank you for being such a great member of this community and, and representing University of Utah Health so well.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
3: There you go. Dr. Nick Monson on another edition of Doc Talk. We'll be back next Thursday. One week from today, we'll have Doc Talk again. So, to the callers that sat on queue, didn't have a chance to uh, get their questions in, call us next Thursday here on Doc Talk, brought to you by University of Utah Health.